All right. Let's turn our Bibles to Philippians uh, chapter 4. We're going to continue on in our study of the book of Philippians. Uh, we will finish uh, this year. It's been a, a wonderful uh, two-year journey uh, going through this book. Uh, so we're going to read from the New American Standard, and then we're going to read uh, the message version as we do. So Philippians 4, 8 to 9. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, uh, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Here's the message translation. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Amen. What a great promise. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. God, thank you for gathering us uh, uh, here again today. Uh, thank you for, uh, Lord, just a, a beautiful day. Thank you for a clean sanctuary, Lord, the worship team. God, uh, being greeted at the door, Lord, we don't take any of those things for granted, God. Lord, they're just part of being part of a church, God, a family of God, and we're grateful for that. And now, Lord, we come humbly uh, to your word, and we're grateful, Lord God, for the power of your preached word, God. And so we ask you right now, Lord, to release the revelatory ministry of the Holy Spirit in this room. Lord, give us an ear to, ear to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit is saying to each one of us, individually and corporately as a body. Lord, I humble myself today. I ask that you use me to preach a prophetic word with power and authority. Help me, Lord, not just to convey your words, God, but convey your heart. God, we thank you, Lord. We love you in this place. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. 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 Sorry, I'm going to use this chair still. Uh, thank you for all your prayers and concerns. My ankle is getting better. Every day it's getting better, praise God. But it's not quite as good as I would like. And so if you, please keep praying. Uh, I still have two weeks left uh, until uh, we play in that tournament. Uh, it's, in, it's in China. It's in Guangzhou. And if you remember last year, because I'm, this, I'm over the age of 45, all my baskets are plus one. And so I've been, this whole off-season, I've actually been working on my three-point shot. I'm usually not a three-point shooter, but I've been working on my corner three-point shot. So every time I make it, it's, pl- it's four points, right? So I actually have a secret goal. I want to get fouled while I make, and I want to have the first ever five-pointer in basketball history. And so most of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, but all to say, please pray for my ankle. Okay. <laughs> all right, so... Let's go back to uh, this, this passage in Philippians. And like I mentioned in the other weeks before, you cannot separate what Paul is saying here in 8 and 9 if you don't understand all the way uh, from verse 1 and 2. Uh, remember, there's a dispute that's happening in the church. Two very, very mature women are fighting with each other. Uh, there's a disagreement and so um, Paul uh, basically grabs uh, his friend, Sisygus, to kind of help these women 
to live in harmony with each other to get along. And seemingly, there seems to be some kind of offense that has taken place. And uh, we learn over the weeks that, uh, I'll, I'll read the passage, Luke 17, 1, he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks shall come, but woe to him whom through they come. Remember the word stumbling blocks is the word scandalon, which we get the word offense from. And so Jesus tells us, look, you're going to be offended. At some point, you're going to be offended. You're going to offend somebody, someone's going to offend you. But the key is, so what are you going to do about it, especially when we're on the receiving end of this? When someone offends us, when someone says something critical of us, or, or someone does and brings harm to us or to our family, what are we going to do? And if you remember, I said this in, in the previous sermons leading up to this, uh, the question is not why is it happening, The real question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be like the world and react and, you know, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? I mean, we see kind of the, the, uh, the difficulty of that played out in the Middle East right now, right? You harm me, I'm going to harm you, and it just goes back and forth, and there's no end to the bloodshed when that happens. And, it, it, and so the reality is, are you going to operate like the world? Are we going to be like Christ? Is this relationship that we have with God, is it going to make a difference in the way that we respond uh, to these things? Uh, this, this week, uh, uh, Pastor Nate uh, sent a bunch of us elders um, a message by Mike Bickle. And so I listened to it, and it was, it was, it was really good. Uh, to be honest, the first 30 minutes, I had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, just end times, just going all over. But then he got to like, after 30 minutes, he got to the meat of it. And he's basically talking about kind of the, the not, not so much the end time revival, but in the midst of tribulation, how God is going to take this pure bride of a church and, and they're going to go through the fire. And it's actually the fire that's going to sanctify them. And they're going to they're be the people of God that God has always wanted. And, and when I listened to that, I was, I was so moved. It was just amazing. And it, it helped that I was actually holding a, a baby Grace the whole time. And so, you know, Lisa was taking a nap, so I was just holding her. And, and I, was just, you know, I was just thinking what, in, in a way, what harm the enemy wanted to do in her life. And now... you know, she's, she's going to go through things. It's just inevitable in this life. And just praying for her while I'm listening to this message, right, that she'll be an overcomer, that whatever difficulties will refine her and she'll become the woman of God that he is destined. And I want you to know that it's going to be in the fire, friends. It's, it's going to be in the tribulation and the difficulty that God is going to refine us, that we can be the people of God. that He is, right, that He wants us to be. There's something, there's, there's something about that. Last night I was at a dinner, and we're talking in our table. Our table is mostly SP people, and, and we're talking about things, and we're talking about, you know, our church partner uh, to the north of us. And one of our sisters was mentioning how, you know, there, there are strict rules, you know, for them to actually just even to come to church, Right? They need to go through a class, and, and they, they need to get vetted. There's security issues and, and all kinds of things. And, then, you, know, like, and you can't just decide to show up. Like, like You've got to plan to come to church in the different locations. You know? and, and I was thinking, man, these guys are being refined by the fire, and something is happening there. 
And then I was having this kind of sad moment and thinking about my church in Hong Kong. And our church members, when it comes to Sunday, they're debating if I should go hiking or not. You know, I got a lot of errands to do today. Should I do that? You know, I got to do some Amazon shopping, you know, or should I come to the body of Christ and worship together? You know, and I was thinking, Lord, it's okay that you bring a little persecution to our body. I said, God, I, you, you have my permission as a senior pastor. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> right? But, but there's something, it's, it's the refined by the fire to, to bring us into a place to, to, to be like Him, you know, in this way. And, and so just it's all this reflection. And so that's what, it's, 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 it doesn't, it's not, I mean, yes, you have to think about the why is it happening and all these things, but really the key is what are you going to do about it? And listen, the way that you respond or how you respond will dictate the quality in the previous, I wrote spiritual life. I actually erased it. I said, no, it's the quality of your life. It's going to affect the way you think, the affect, affect the way you behave, the affect the way you feel, and, and all of these things. And so Paul, what he did is he gave this instruction. He says, look, all this turmoil, all this thing, what it's going to cause is anxiety. It's going to cause fears to come upon us. And he says, don't worry. God has a remedy for you in that. Don't be anxious for anything but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, basically talk to God. Talk to Him. He's the one who understands and can handle this situation. He's the only one that can help you out in this situation. And then He says, and this is a promise, and the peace of God. Remember last time we talked about the prayer behind the prayer? I, I want to suggest to you, every prayer that you pray, the prayer behind that prayer is for peace, is for well-being, it's for happiness, it, contentment. And he says, and the peace of God, which just, just is incomprehensible, beyond comprehension, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so, so Paul, in the rest of this passage, all that he's really talking about is the fruit of God's peace coming over you. What happens to your mind? What happens to your thinking when God's peace comes over you? You know what happens? You'll begin to focus on the things that are true, on the things that are honorable, things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that have a good reputation. And if there's any excellent thing or anything worthy of praise, guess what? Your mind is going to be naturally geared towards that way. And so his command is, stay in that place. Dwell. Think. It's an active word. Dwell in that place. And so... God's peace comes over you, it's going to affect the way you operate. It's going to affect the way things that you do. And so all of a sudden, now you're going to think about honorable. You're going to think about positives and not negatives. And you're going to be in that space, and then what's going to happen? And he says, now, now you have a job to play too. You need to live in that space. You need to actively dwell on these things. And really, like I said, the list represents the fruit of a mind that is guarded by the peace of God. I want to suggest to you that you don't have to make this happen. It happens. When you give your anxiety to God, when God begins to put His peace on you, it changes the way you think. Now, we have our part. God does His part. We have our part, and we dwell. We stay 
in that space. We stay in that atmosphere. So I, I just have three simple points, and I, um, actually my wife really helped me to, to suss this out, uh, to put this in, in a way that, that is, I think is kind of very easily relatable to us. Three, three simple points, okay? Number one, what's Paul talking about? He's talking about a godly attitude. For us to have a, a godly attitude, rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, your, your emotions, uh, uh, make sure that, that, that this is in sync and in line with the truth. And, and I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we are living in a society, in a culture that almost throws truth out the window altogether. We're living in a time, and, and, and it's, I mean, thankfully, it's not really pressed upon us in Hong Kong as much, but if you look in America, you look through Europe, uh, you know, developed countries, I mean, it's, it's just crazy what's happening in the world around us. And we're living in an age where now feelings trump truth. People say things like, well, it's my truth. It doesn't matter if it's accurate or not. In other words, it's, well, it's just, just what I feel about a situation. We're bombarded with this idea of feelings over facts. Now, let me tell you guys, our emotions, listen, our emotions are valid. Our emotions aren't real. I'm not going to say, no, that's not how you feel. No, you can't say that to anybody. Emotions, they, they, uh, it, it is what it is. And so they're valid, they're real experiences, but you have to understand they don't always accurately represent objective reality or the truth of a situation. In other words, feelings are real, but not always reliable. Turn to your neighbor, say, hey, good looking, say, feelings are real, but not always reliable. Go ahead. They're valid, but not always reliable. See, the reality as children of God, our feelings need to submit to the truth of the matter. Years ago, um, I, I mean, I forgot what I was eating, but my, um, my, uh, in our home growing up, my mom never bought junk food. And so the only, the only sweets that we had was fruit, and the only indulgence was ice cream. So we didn't have candy bars. You know, we, we didn't have any of this stuff. And I remember, and I mean, please don't do this, but before I became a Christian, I used to trick-or-treat uh, as a little kid, right? Uh, I suggest you not do that. And no matter how cute your kids look in costumes, it is totally demonic. And we can talk about that in a whole other uh, message and stuff. So just, just take my advice, okay? Just take my word. You don't want to open the door uh, of the enemy to come in because of something's cute, okay, in, in this way. So, so I want you, and, and so I used to, I used to we, we didn't have like uh, bags. I used to bring our pillowcases. I mean, like I'm going out and I'm going to do some damage, right? And, so, and then we would come home with a pillowcase full of candy my mom would allow us to take two pieces, two out of like a thousand pieces of candy that we picked up. And so, I mean, that was kind of our home. And so, all to say, so there was some, there was some treat. I forgot what it was. And, and I, I wanted to eat it, and I waited. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, delayed gratification. I waited. You know, my brother had his piece, and I was just waiting and waiting. And then I went to the kitchen to find this piece. I don't know if it was a piece of cake, but it was something that I really wanted to eat. And then it was gone. I was devastated. 
I was, there, I was angry, and I wanted to kill my brother. And I'm serious. And I said, Danny, where are you, man? And I looked all over the house, and I was screaming, and, and I, I just wanted to pulverize my brother, this, this emotion, because he ate my food. That, that's, that's how childish we were, right? And so he ate my food. He ate what I wanted to eat. I was so upset. I mean, I was burning, to be honest, with rage. I wanted to destroy my brother. And my mom says, what's going on? You know, why are you screaming? And I said, that guy, that ungrateful guy, he ate my stuff. And my mom says, no, he didn't. I ate it. (laughs) And I was like, huh? Now I have to decide. Are my feelings legitimate? No. Well, I could be angry, but I got to be angry with my mom. I can't be angry with my mom. She's a saint, you know? And so I said, okay. <laughs> and I just moved on. It's a, I mean, it's a true story. It's amazing. And so we have to realize sometimes our feelings are not legitimate. Our feelings, our emotions that we have may not really line up with the truth. And so feelings don't trump truth. Truth trumps feelings. The world will want to tell you differently right now. If you feel like somebody, you know, I I feel like a woman, so therefore I'm a woman. No, you're not. I'm sorry, you're not. You know, I feel I'm... No, no. Feelings do not trump facts. Facts trump feelings. And the reality is you need to submit as the people of God. We need to submit our feelings to the truth particularly the truth of the Scriptures. That, listen, that is the culture war that we are fighting right now. It, 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 is, it is an outright, uh, outright war on truth, particularly on the Word of God. It's being challenged in every corner of society right now. And so we need to make sure that truth is, is, is the top and feelings, our emotions are merely subservient to that, that reality. And so uh, Paul says, man, have this godly attitude. Rejoice in the Lord always. Besides, let me just throw this. Why, why, why can't we trust our feelings? I'll just give you a, just an easy Bible verse. When, whenever your feelings want to trump truth, okay, quote Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is more deceitful than all else. In other words, you can't trust your feelings. It is deceitful and is desperately sick. Jeremiah says, who can understand it? We cannot trust our feelings. The only thing we can trust is the Word of God, is the truth of what He shares with us. The reality, friends, we have to recognize and understand that many times our negative emotions that we have are influenced by outside factors. Sometimes they're influenced by lack of food and water. Anyone ever been hangry before? Come on now, right? We're going to fast soon. (laughs) Okay? You remember being hangry the first few days, and then God just blesses you the rest of the time, right? Or maybe not. Um, But so sometimes our emotions are driven by our outside forces around us. Sometimes, and not sometimes, a lot of times, 
It's actually driven by past traumas. We should be aware of that. That's why you can't trust your feelings. I, I remember I, I felt I, like there's, there's um, usually, if I'm really honest, usually uh, when we look at marital situations, usually I feel sorry for the wife. I'm just being honest, okay? You know, when, with men and women, usually I, I feel sorry for the wife. One time, I had this one time, this couple came to me, I felt really sorry for the husband. I felt really, really sorry for him. Because what happened was his, his, his wife, um, she, uh, uh, she basically had a bunch of abusive relationships. She was, was married to a guy uh, before she was a Christian. She became a Christian here at SP, married to a guy. He was a serial adulterer. I, I cheated on her multiple, multiple, multiple times. And then she dated someone else, and the guy also cheated on her. And so then she married this really, really good guy. You know, SP guy, right? I mean, solid citizen. You know, and man, she just would give the guy hell, right? No matter if he was just a little bit late coming home from work, you must be cheating on me. It's like, no, he had work to do. And I mean, I I could vouch for this guy. I know this guy, right? But, But it's this past trauma that informed her her emotions and her suspicions in this way. And so that's why it's another reason why we can't trust our feelings. They they may be loaded and packed. And by the way, the the story that I share with my brother, I realized realized that I was angry at my brother about something else because my reaction was not commiserate to his seeming offense. He just ate something. Why would anyone rage about something like that? And let me give you some marriage advice, husbands and wives. If your husband or your wife goes off on you about something that seems so menial, you know, such a little thing, there's probably something else going on. And it's probably a good idea to probe a little bit and get a little deeper because God may be using both of you to bring healing to one another. It happens. It's happened tons of times uh, in the relationship I had with my, uh, with, with my wife. You know, sometimes uh, uh, her reaction to something uh, would be kind of a little overboard. I would say, okay, what else is going on here, right? Because it's not commiserate to the seeming offense that has taken place. And, and I've been on the other end of that too. And thankfully, she loved me enough to probe a little bit. And so, so we, we, a lot of times we are dictated by this, this past trauma that's in our life or the environment around us. And so Paul, going back to to this letter, Paul instructs us to have a godly attitude, our emotion to be filled with that place of joy. And so this this is how it works. See, God so fills our life that you know what happens? When we're so full of God, when God is is our only, when, when when we come before Him in that way, you know what happens? Joy is a byproduct. This whole passage is not about working harder. It's it's not about forcing yourself to to do these type of things. What it's about is about being so centered on God that that, that God becomes becomes everything to us and because He fills us in such a way that the byproduct out of that place is joy. And so all Paul is telling us is to just remain in joy, right? To rejoice in that place. Right? The right emotion is joy. 
especially in the midst of difficult circumstances. The only way that can happen, brothers and sisters, is that you get so filled with God. You can't just say, okay, today I'm just going to be joyful. I don't know, it doesn't work that way. Maybe for 10 minutes, maybe if you're a really disciplined person, maybe an hour or so, but eventually all those thoughts, all that stuff begins to creep in. And so it's about being so centered on God. It's about doing what only God can do. It's about giving us joy in the midst of hardship and difficulty. It's, 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 it's just, it, what it is, it's allowing God to take over. So submitting these situations that give us anxiety, so submitting these things that make us fearful, so offering and giving it to the Lord in that way, in that place of prayer and thanksgiving. And then the byproduct of that is joy. It's the godly attitude. Rejoice always in the Lord. Number two is godly thinking. Godly thinking. A godly attitude, godly thinking. And he says, all these things dwell on these things. Think upon these things. Instead of focusing on the offense or focusing on the negativity of that situation that surrounds it, we are asked to think about things that are lovely and things that are excellent. And like I said, it's a byproduct of His peace coming over us. God does this. He transforms us. He renews us. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, don't think like the world. The world wants to operate in revenge. The world, right, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's, it's, it's very, very different. The world wants you to retaliate. The world wants, right, don't be conformed by this world, but be transformed by Christ. Allow Christ to enter in to whatever situation that you're facing, whatever hardships or whatever difficulties that are there. Allow Christ to enter in. How? By making your request known to God, by praying, by submitting these things to Him. And then the peace of God comes and it affects the way we think. All of a sudden, it's godly thinking. What happens? Paul says it. Our mind is renewed. It's, 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 it's being shaped into the image, conformed to the image of Christ instead of the image of the world or the world does things. You've got to understand, brothers and sisters, a mind is a powerful, powerful thing. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. That's how powerful our thinking is in this way. When I was growing up, I used to watch uh, this commercial would come on all the time, particularly in the 80s and 90s. If you grew up in the U.S. in the 80s and 90s, you'll remember this commercial. It was the United Negro uh, College Fund. And, and, there was this ta- and I would always remember this tagline. They, they, they raised billions of dollars with this tagline. And it simply said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. It's true. A mind is power. How many of you guys remember those commercials? Right? Wow. Either we're not very American here or we're very young. Right? 
we'll just say we're very young, okay? Uh, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And so there's, there's something that, that happens. There's a renewing that takes place. In 2 Corinthians, Paul expands on this thought a little further. And in 2 Corinthians 10.5, he says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's a powerful verse. See, when the peace of God comes into our, our lives, it guards our hearts and, it, and our mind. And you know, it, you know what it, it allows us to do? It allows us to be able to focus on positive things. It's a byproduct. And then what happens, and then we can destroy these speculations. These are, like, think, think of speculations as like these traps that the enemy gives. The word speculations, I looked at it, it's the word logismos. It means thought, it means imagination, but actually better understood, it means reasoning or a computation. It's a judgment. It's, it's all these thoughts, and, and what a speculation is, these thoughts have become fine, and then you, you create a judgment. You compute something. You make a decision on some matter. And Paul is saying, no. Destroy that because those things, uh, not all those things, but those things, those worldly things are in competition to the Word of God. So he says, destroy speculations, right? And every lofty thing, these are, these are, these are uh, uh, the enemy's voices. These are things, and, and I, I did this sermon years ago on 2 Corinthians 10. And, and what the enemy does, he sets, up, he sets traps in our mind. He bombards us with all these lies. And what it does, is, it's like a, a barrier, and, and so listen to what Paul says. And so what happens is when the Word of God comes in, when truth comes in, that, that's in direct opposition to these judgments and speculations that we've made, what happens, the enemy sets his trap and this lofty thing comes up and it tries to block the Word of God, block the truth that sets us free. And so what Paul is saying, he's giving us how to do spiritual warfare in our mind. And he says, he says, destroy speculations. You know, these judgments, destroy. Tear those judgments down. And these lofty things raised up against the knowledge of God. These things that, that these traps that come up and the, the truth comes and bam, it gets slapped. Let, let, me, let me give an example. How many of you, how many, don't raise your hand, okay? Just, 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 how many of you, you could read any other book? You could read magazines, you could read online, you can read all kinds of things, but as soon as you open up the Bible and try to read the Bible, you lose your train of thought, you get sleepy. You know what that is? It's a lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God. It's a trap. It's, it's, a, it's something that the enemy has placed inside of your mind. It's like a little mind, it's, it's, and it's come up, and as soon as the Word of God, as soon as the truth wants to come, this thing gets raised up. It's a lofty thing, raised up. It just comes up in our mind, raised up against the knowledge of God. And so you need to destroy that. And so how does it happen? Paul tells us it happens by giving over our anxieties, giving over these things that weigh us down. And, and his joy and, and, and re, the renewing of our mind and all of these come into this place. Right? This is, this, we destroy these things and then we take every thought captive. That's our job. 
God does his job. Our job is then the enemy throws other thoughts and we're to, right? We're to block those things out. Every thought, captive, okay, no, this is not you, God. Throw it away. Yes, this is, yes, God, let it sink deep into my soul. That's exactly how it works. It's the battlefield of our mind. All the spiritual warfare takes place right there in that space. And, and you've got to do it. Basically, you have to line up your emotions. You have to line up your judgments. You need to line up your thinking. You need to line it up with the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. You may have lost your job, and everything inside of you says, I'm a failure. No, you're not. That's a lie. Your boyfriend broke up with you, and these thoughts come in. Oh, I'll be unlovable for the rest of my life. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You failed an exam or you failed a test, right? And all of a sudden, right, you hear these, these, this lofty thing and these words come over you in this way. Oh, man, you're so dumb. You're so stupid. No, that's a lie. And you take every thought captive. You line up what you're thinking. You line up. Right, what you're feeling, you line that up with the Word of God. You take those things captive. And again, the fuel that allows you to do that is the peace of God. So godly thinking. The last one, the last one is godly living. Godly living. He says, practice these things. Practice these things. See, Paul... He doesn't, it's not just, uh, he's not just telling us to master our emotions or master our attitudes or master your mind. Guess what? We also need to live it out. We need to practice these things. Paul says, what you've seen and heard, right, and and witness in me, practice these things. Paul will say it very similarly in 1 Corinthians 11.1, He'll say, be imitators of me as, just as I also am of Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul says, follow my example. And so, so the Philippian church has a, a, a kind of a, a history book with Paul. So, so, so what are these things that they should practice? I don't have time to go through them all, okay? Uh, but there's about 59 of them. I'm only going to do like 10, very fast. Some of you guys are worried right now, right? Take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So it's the one another's that's in the New Testament. I'll just give you a few. Be devoted to one another, Romans 12.10. Live in harmony with one another, Romans 12.16. Care for one another, 1 Corinthians 12.25. Serve one another, Galatians 5.13, forgive one another. Ephesians 4.2, be patient with one another. Colossians 3.13, comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, submit to one another. Ephesians 5.21, accept one another. Romans 5.17. Paul not only wrote about it, I mean, there's 59 of them, okay? I'll just give you a short sample. He not only wrote about it, but he's, he must have practiced it himself. And he basically said, let me, look what I, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? Don't just think about it, 
right? Christians don't just think about it. Christians do it. We practice these things. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a thought. It's action. James, Jesus' brother, 122, but he says, but prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Do it. Just do it. And again, the fuel that allows us to practice these things is the peace of God. And watch, this is really cool. When you give, when you take those fears, anxieties, and you give that to the Lord, you pray with thanksgiving, you know what happens? His peace comes upon you. When you practice these things and you live it out, the God of peace comes upon you. (laughs) You don't just get his benefits. You get himself. He says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you as well. That is so awesome. I pray, I give these things, and all of a sudden, his peace comes over me. Something that God gives is his shalom, tangible. And then, when I not just, I don't just stay in that place, and then I live this out in my daily life, then God himself comes. The God who's the one who gave us that peace to begin with now dwells and becomes a part of us and is with us. It's something powerful in that way. Let me close with a, a couple pictures and uh, uh, this thought. If you look on uh, the stage there, or look on the screen, this is called a tefillin. And uh, this, comes, this is a, a Jewish um, kind of command um, that their young men, uh, after their bar mitzvah, uh, they're commanded to come, and when they pray, they're commanded to take these phylacteries. That's what it is. It's, it's these boxes. And boxes are with, with uh, scrolls written in them. They have to be written by rabbi. Uh, at least one of the scrolls is the Shema of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Uh, and, you know, tell your kids. And so that scroll is in there, but there's a few of them. And they're commanded to, to put this on um, and... Um, it, it goes, there's one that goes around the head. It's the frontals of your head. Usually it says kind of between the eyes, but they put it on the forehead. And then another one goes all the way down your arm, your, your left arm, and it goes all the way to your hand. And it comes, there's a couple passages, but I'll, I'll give you just one of them here. In Deuteronomy 11:18, it says, You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. You should bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. So this is a tefillin. And so you, I, I told this story before. So in one of our trips when we went to Israel, um, we went to the, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. And so we walked up, and you had, all men, men and women are uh, separated, first of all. And so I went to the men's section, uh, and um, you have to wear a, a yarmulke. And so you have to wear a head covering. And so I walked, you know, I grabbed, there's free ones there. You put on, you know, put on your head and walked in. And then I noticed there was a booth and young men were going to this booth, and the rabbi was kind of blessing them and giving them like this kit. And it was like a leather strap. I just, you know, leather strap. It's just cool. You know what I mean? It's just cool looking. 
And so, you know, you see these young men, and they, they would, you know, put something around their head, and they would take another one and wrap around their arm all the way down, and they would bind it, and then they would read, and they would go to the wall, and they would hold it, hold the book of prayer, and they would just pray, you know, rocking back and forth, you know, like a good Korean, you know, and stuff. And so they were in that place, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. I was like, I want to do that. And so I asked him, I said, what is this thing? I've never seen this before in my life. What is this? And the rabbi was very gracious. Oh, this is the tefillin. You know, this comes out of Deuteronomy. We're commanded, you know, part of the mitzvah. We're commanded to do these things as, as young men go to the place of prayer. You know, and, and so I, I said, what does it mean? And it was so like, it was like light bulb moment. And he basically said, what it means is this deep connection of the commands of God. That the commands of God are not just something, something to think about. It's not just something to feel because the arm goes right to the chest. It's the feeling. It's not just something that we feel, but it goes down our arm because it's something that we do. And I was like, dang, that's good stuff, man. You know what I mean? And it explains so much of the scriptures. It, it can explain a lot of these, could, could be kind of problem passages. Because in the Jewish mind, believing about God was equal to doing these, what you believe. In the Western world, in our intellectual constructs, we've almost divided what you think and believe with what you do. Like you can think and believe something and you can do something totally different and it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not biblical, right? The whole idea of belief, of actually true thinking and all these things was that thinking, feeling, and doing all came together. And every single week, young men, Go to the place of prayer. They're commanded to do this, young men, every time. And they wear, they wear something to remind them that my faith, that, that the word of God, the commands of God, not only require me to think right, not only require me to feel right, but also to do the right thing. It's important. And we see how this manifests. They bind it on the arm that rests against their heart and their head. And when I heard that, I was like, that is amazing. Of course, that makes total sense. No wonder I have so much difficulty in my Christian life because I believe one thing, but I do something totally different. No wonder I'm having so much trouble. No wonder I'm I'm having so many issues in my life. And in the Jewish mind, it's all the same thing. What you thought about, what you felt, and what you did all flowed from the same command. It was, they were, they, there was not a divorce of any of these things. God's command, God's truth, our thinking became subservient to it. Our feeling became subservient to it. And our living and our actions became subservient to those things. It's powerful. So I asked the rabbi, can I do it? No. You're not Jewish. So I went and did a DNA test just to think, maybe, maybe I'm point something, you know, because, you know, I got light features, you know, my eyes are hazel. There's got to be some maybe European blood or some Jewish blood in me. I went and did a DNA test. Zero, right? I actually found out I'm 60% Japanese, which was shocking, right? I thought I was Korean. Well, I'm, I'm Korean, 80-some percent, right? And stuff, but yeah, no Jewish blood in me. Can't do it. 
But you know what? I can do it in the Spirit. I can make sure that my thinking, my feeling, and my doing align to God's Word. And it goes, it all, it goes back. Don't be anxious for anything. When, you, when you're able to give that, it's, it's really about surrendering your fears and anxieties. When you're able to surrender that, God brings His peace which allows us to think clearly. Finally, I can think clearly. You know, I mean, have, have, you, have you ever experienced like the power of repentance? You know, when you really repent, all of a sudden, man, I, I can finally see. Before I couldn't see, it was just so cloudy. I was so confused. And then you step into that place of repentance. And, and all of a sudden, now you can see things so clearly because God illumines these things to us. And then it comes, His peace allows us to think. And then, so we're to live in that place of thinking. And then we practice, right? We begin to do these things. And then not only the peace of God, but the God of peace comes alongside of us. It is powerful. It is absolutely powerful in this way. A godly attitude, godly thinking, and godly living. Let me invite the worship team to come. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. Are you struggling in any of those areas? Is there some incompatibility to what you feel, what you think, and what you do? Let's think and says those are not separate matters altogether. It's the same. Tell your spirit it's the same. Let's close our eyes. And maybe you need to go back to step one. And just do not be anxious. Let your requests be known to God. Give your anxiety, your fears, the things that make you tremble, the things that keep you up at night, the things that you worry about. Let's really surrender it so God can bring His peace that goes beyond all comprehension and they'll act as soldiers to guard your heart and your mind so your mind can focus on good things, on what's true and honorable and just and right and excellent and worthy of praise. And then practice those things. And the God of peace will be with you as well. I love this passage. I would say I I probably practice this passage every single day. So let's go back to that place of surrender. Whatever is bringing you down today, let's give it to the Lord as the worship team leads us in a song. to see you are light you are light when 
the darkness closes in, you are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling, you are true, you are true.
someone just go across the aisle you can either hold hands or you can put your hand on his shoulder right COVID's gone so it's okay and I, I imagine we could all use prayer in this way and so can you be that friend that helps your neighbor right now just go into the arms of God would you ask God to give them strength to lay down their anxieties to surrender their fears and their worries and so his peace would come upon them that changes their thinking changes the way they feel and changes the way that they act now let's just pray for each other right now Father, thank you, God. Lord, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Lord, this process really starts, God, when we just merely surrender those things that weigh us down. Would you teach us to be a people that gladly, willingly, quickly surrender our anxieties, our fears, our worries, those things that keep us up, those things that cause us to sweat, the things that take away our mind space. Teach us to be a people that surrender so we can have the right thinking, we can have the right feelings, God, and we can have the right actions, godly actions thank you god thank you for making that way possible for us through the power of prayer we bless you god we love you now the lord bless you and keep you the lord causes face to shine upon you and be gracious to the lord lift up his countenance upon you give you peace god's peace shalom from this day forever in the name of the father and of the son the holy spirit amen amen thank you friend for praying for you said thanks for praying for me i felt the presence of god uh, enjoy the rest of your prayer or uh, your day today your sabbath i uh, have a wonderful wonderful week and we'll see you at house church or emp 
and service. God bless you guys.